Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 39. Thanks for listening. Another week has come and gone. Hope life is treating you reasonably fairly. Don't want to get cocky or anything, so shoot for reasonable, appreciate better than average. That's what I say, because I have modest goals. Like, for example, recording a podcast, which I'm doing on what is actually a pretty lovely Saturday afternoon. I chose instead to play video games and record myself talking about them. In the news this week, uh, this will be quick, because there is no news this week. I am still not a screenwriter, at least not for Atari. Whoever's working on those missile uh, command and centipede movies, I hope is doing just a wonderful job without me. But so far it isn't me. So, nothing to report there. So let's just go ahead and move into this week's game. This week's game is... G.I. Joe. Cobra Strike. In each of us, there is both good guy and bad guy. In the G.I. Joe video game, you can be G.I. Joe, fighting for right and justice. Or the super villain Cobra, battling other players with laser blasts and venom bombs. You can defend, attack, save, destroy, play the courageous hero, or the unspeakable villain. The choice is yours. G.I. Joe, new from Parker Brothers. This is a 1983 game from Parker Brothers, and I gotta be honest, I was not a huge G.I. Joe guy as a kid. There was at least one pretty popular cartoon series while I was growing up, and of course there were comic books. I had a couple of them. I remember one distinctly with uh, one panel with a Joe. He had a name, of course. They all had names like Turbo and Laser Man and Fred cool names like that um so i don't know which one this was but it's one of the joes and he's smashing a robot spider with the butt of his gun and i remember anything else about the comic but i remember that panel uh so i read a couple of those i think i probably watched a little bit of the cartoon series there was a slew of action figures and accessories i suppose tied into the cartoon show i had actually three or four of those action figures primarily because i was a kid who liked action figures not necessarily because I was a huge G.I. Joe fan. These are the little four-inch jobs, like uh, the Star Wars guys used to be. Actually, like most action figures used to be. The coolest link to the whole G.I. Joe thing that I have, you know, this was the 80s. You had the four-inch action figures in the cartoon show. But way back in time, way back in the bygone era of the 1960s, Joe was like eight, eight? I'm thinking it was eight inches tall. And he had not exactly real hair, but he had like like actual fuzzy astroturf on his head and an astroturf beard. And he had cool camouflage outfits and canteens and guns. And I think you could get a Jeep for him. I had a Jeep for mine, which I inherited from my brother, the the Joe, the Jeep I got somewhere else. It wasn't strictly speaking a G.I. Joe Jeep, but he commandeered it from somebody. I'm not sure which action figure was supposed to have it, but Joe was driving it. My Joe needed to drive a Jeep because by the time I inherited Joe from my brother, he was missing a foot and some fingers and I think a couple of toes on the remaining foot that he had and his chest cavity was all smashed in because I don't know why it was smashed in, but it was and and it had a speaker in it. At one time, Joe had been able to talk, but the little pull chain that made him talk 
was long gone, and the little speaker was smashed. So I have no idea what Joe wanted to tell me. He was permanently silenced. I'm guessing it was the work of Cobra. But, you know, the Hague Convention could never quite get to the bottom of that. But I liked playing with it anyway. And no matter what shape Joe was in, he was still way more badass than you. But, you know, G.I. Joe is a game, too, for the Atari. And that's what we're here to talk about. So, how do we play this game? Let's look at the manual. Defend and fire. That's your mission in this battle between the G.I. Joes and their archenemy, Cobra. An evil organization determined to take over the world now slithers back and forth over the G.I. Joe's training camp in the form of a giant Cobra snake. And that means a danger for the G.I. Joe recruits running for shelter between the training buildings and headquarters. Cobra is trying to capture them by shooting venom from its fangs and laser beams from its eyes. Sort of puts a new spin on uh, the reptile part down in Florida, doesn't it? If hit by venom, a recruit is vaporized until he materializes again at Cobra headquarters. And if he's hit by a laser beam, he's directly beamed up. All right. But you, as G.I. Joe, can protect the recruits with your atomic-powered energy shield. You, as G.I. Joe, can destroy the Cobra with your missile-firing guns. But you must be quick with your wits and deadly with your aim. It's a mission for only a highly trained G.I. Joe. And you. I just noticed down the corner of this page, there's a little uh, dotted line drawn in. And it says, Proof of Purchase, G.I. Joe Cobra Strike. I wonder if I had had this game as a kid and collected the proofs of purchase, what could I have gotten? Giant venom-dripping cobra snake, perhaps. What kid doesn't want that? The object. The object of the game depends on whose side you're on. The G.I. Joe Special Mission Forces or Cobra. If you're playing as G.I. Joe, the object is to destroy the cobra while protecting the G.I. Joes. If you're playing as the cobra, the object is to capture four G.I. Joes before G.I. Joe destroys you. And, spoiler here, the way this game's designed, I'm guessing that Cobra operatives had infiltrated Parker Brothers, because the game goes way better for the snake than it does for you, Joe. Setting the controls. This is where it starts to get confusing. Select a game level number and number of players. That's pretty straightforward. By pressing down the select switch on the game select switch, the game number and number of players will appear at the top of the screen. Fine. Set the difficulty switch. Position A, expert, one player game. Your shield must be next to either gun turret in order to fire. Two player cooperative game. Your shield must be next to your own gun tur turret in order to fire. Two player competitive game. Your shield must be next to either gun turret in order to fire. Three player game. Your shield must be next to your own gun turret in order to fire. Position B, novice. Your shield may be in any position in order to fire. Press down the game reset switch and you're ready to start the action. Confused yet? Don't worry, it gets harder. The paddles and joystick controllers. Plug a set of paddles firmly into the left controller jack. The paddle on the left controls the red shield and red gun turret. The paddle on the right controls the blue shield and blue gun turret. In a one-player game, use the left paddle. Use the paddle to maneuver your shield from left to right between the two gun turrets. To fire your missiles, keep the fire button pressed down. The missile will explode automatically. To direct the missile toward your target, turn the paddle dial left or right accordingly. Plug the joystick firmly into the right controller jack. The joystick controls the Cobra in the two-player competitive and three-player games only. Use the joystick to maneuver the Cobra left or right. Press the fire button in order to drop venom. Move the joystick down in order to shoot a laser beam. Playing. The way in which you play the game depends on the number of players and whether you play as G.I. Joe or as the Cobra. The one-player game is indicated by 1 at the top of the screen. In the game, you're G.I. Joe. The Cobra is computer-controlled. The two-player cooperative game is indicated by 2 in the game. Both players are G.I. Joes. You play simultaneously, both trying to destroy the Cobra together. The Cobra is computer-controlled. 
Two-player strategy can be really exciting, as one G.I. Joe defends the other, can fire. Then you can trade roles. Or both G.I. Joes can work their own strategies, but at the same time. There are all kinds of possibilities when two G.I. Joes work together against the enemy. Wait a minute. Parker Brothers is trying to teach kids about teamwork and cooperation. What sort of insidious plot is this? Uh, I don't like it, but I'll keep reading. The two-player competitive game is indicated by I-I. By the way, all those times I was saying one, it's actually an I, just because they wanted to make it harder, I guess. In the two-player competitive game, one player is G.I. Joe, the other player is the Cobra. The three-player game is indicated by three little eyes. In this game, two players are the G.I. Joes, the third is the Cobra. Uh, bit props to Parker Brothers for coming up with a three-player Atari 2600 game. I have not, so far in doing this show, seen a three-player game. And I'm not sure that there are any others. Maybe there are. Having said that, though, as I will talk about more later, the gameplay is kind of, well, kind of crappy, actually. Moving on, playing G.I. Joe using your shield. While playing as G.I. Joe, use your shield to block vaporizing venom being dropped onto the recruits from the Cobra's ferocious fang. Ferocious fangs. It's a lot harder phrase to say than you might think. Watch the Cobra as it slithers left and right over the recruits running for shelter below. Keep your eye on the venom as it drops and try to get your shield underneath it in time. The further left or right you turn the paddle dial, the faster the shield will move. Keep this in mind in order to use your shield most effectively. In higher rounds of gameplay, the Cobras also shoot laser beams with the power to beam up a recruit into captivity. Just before it does so, however, you'll receive a warning. The Cobra stops moving, emits a warning sound, and turns a bright color. This tells you that in a second, the laser beam will fall. So you'd better move your shield under it fast, or it could mean capture for any recruits in its path. Firing your missiles. To fire your missiles, keep the fire button pressed down while you turn the paddle dial left or right. Use these directions to guide the missile toward your target. Try to hit the Cobra right in the eye. A hit to the body won't count. As soon as you release the fire button, the paddle dial controls your shield once again. Each time you make a direct hit to the eyes, it's indicated at the bottom of the screen. Make eight hits to the eyes, and you've destroyed the Cobra. The Cobra will split in two and disappear from the screen. The bonus shot. Every so often during higher rounds of gameplay, you'll hear three rising notes. If you can hit the Cobra in the eyes at that moment, the Cobra is instantly destroyed and you score 10,000 bonus points. That's even better than a proof of purchase. Playing the Cobra. When playing the Cobra, try to hit all four of the G.I. Joe recruits as they run for shelter at the bottom of the screen. To do so, drop Venom from your fangs by pressing the fire button on the joystick, or shoot a laser beam by moving the joystick down. Direct your shots by maneuvering the Cobra with your joystick left and right over the movement of the G.I. Joe beneath you. The number of recruits remaining in the game is monitored at the bottom left of the screen. Eliminate all four recruits before G.I. Joe destroys you, and you've won the game. End of game slash Sorry, end of round slash end of game. In games in which the Cobra is computer controlled, you'll progress from one round to the next as long as you can destroy the Cobra before it gets all four recruits. If you do so, a Cobra of a different color will appear on the screen for the next round. As you move from one round to the next, the game becomes a little more difficult. The Cobra moves faster, drops more venom, and shoots more laser beams. But if the Cobra destroys all four recruits before G.I. Joe destroys it, the game ends. In games in which the Cobra is player controlled, you do not progress from one round to the next. The game simply ends when either G.I. Joe destroys the Cobra or when the Cobra destroys all four G.I. Joes. Okay, so that's G.I. Joe Cobra Strike. The manual is very confusing. The play, as we will see, is even more confusing. I guess I have thoughts about that. But first, after the break, we attempt to make some snakeskin boots.
that old saying? You don't go into war with the equipment you want, you go in with the equipment you have, or something like that. I could Google it, but this is war. Let's see if the equipment we have is up to the task. Go, Joe! It's an interesting looking game. You got the little army men running around the bottom of the screen. You got a gun on either side of the screen that just seems to shoot in whatever direction it wants to shoot in. There's apparently no guidance at all. Um, the G.I. Joe's shield is basically a red frisbee that is supposed to protect against venom being dropped by a 40-foot tall cobra, um, which seems like very poor military strategy. Clearly this is a very underfunded secret department of the government. The G.I. Joes are supposed to be like some sort of elite army force, right? Oh, I managed to block some venom. Yeah, see, I don't get it, because I can move the little frisbee shield thing, but I don't have a whole lot of control over it. And now my guns have stopped working. I'm very confused. I wonder if this is one of the reasons I would not make a very good soldier. It seems weird that there's just these two guns. You would think a 40-foot cobra would attract some attention, and someone else would come to help. I'm playing on the one-person game, obviously. There's only me here. Um, there are variations where... Oh, what happened? The score went to zero. Is this like the next level? I don't know. I think we've gotten the idea. Um, wars are never really won anyway. It's just ceasefire after ceasefire. So I'm calling one. Back to you in the studio. Okay, so that's G.I. Joe Cobra Strike. Part of me has trouble getting excited about this game, because like I said, I was not a G.I. Joe kid, really. But, you know, it's still an Atari game. It's kind of a cool-looking game, I guess. You got the big Cobra overhead, and you got the gun turrets and the little soldiers running around. But the gameplay is really awkward. Now, part of that might be I have 30-odd-year-old paddles, and maybe they just don't work that well but I really think it's the setup of the game. This whole thing about you have to move the shield next to the turret in some of the games, and if you, but if you do that, you can't fire your gun, and but then you still have to move the shield to get it under the venom, and, but if you move it too fast, it goes too fast, and you move it too slow. It seems to move at whatever speed it wants to move, the shield, I mean. The firing, you can press the fire button, and you can hear the, the bullets, but you can't tell where they're going. And there's no, the gun itself on the turret doesn't move. It just, the bullets just go where they want to go. It all feels very random to me. Kind of literally hit or miss whether or not you're going to hit the Cobra or not. The Cobra doesn't stop moving. He keeps going back and forth from side to side. If you're in a one-player game, you're stuck. You can only hit him, basically, if he's on your side of the screen. When Henry, who was going to be my co-host, but bailed because he'd rather, like, get fresh air and stuff outside. Um, 
but he did play the game a little bit with me before I started recording today. And when he played as the Cobra and I played as a Joe, I couldn't shoot at all. I could move my little frisbee thing, but I couldn't fire my gun. So part of that, I think, is maybe me not fully understanding in the moment of gameplay how to do it. Part of it, I think, is that the controls are just too darn complicated for a game like this. But, you know, so if I had to pay a lot of money for this game, I probably would not. But if you're a big G.I. Joe fan, if you're a completist for collecting Atari games, I don't hate this game the way I hate Amadar, but I probably wouldn't run out and buy it either. I would probably give this one a pass on gameplay merits anyway. But, of course, we're interested in making up a story, because that's what we do here at Atari Bytes. I think I'm going to take a little different approach to the game. It'd be easy to tell a story as G.I. Joe, easy to tell a story as the Cobra, just gotta get inside the mind of a snake, dude. Anybody can do that. But I'm going to take a little bit different approach. I think you'll see what I mean. First of all, what are the five elements of a story? Let's review. Story always starts with the introduction or exposition, which is the setup for the story. The story moves into the rising action. Events are starting to happen. Conflicts are being revealed. Events are put in motion. You're building towards something, towards a peak of some sort, typically called the climax, which is sort of where the conflict hits ahead. Fates are decided. It's kind of the turning point of the story. This is followed by the falling action, where the effects of the climax are felt. Pieces are being picked up, and you're starting to move towards wrapping things up and ending the story, which is, of course, the end, or if you want to get fancy about it, the resolution or denouement, where things are pretty much over. So here's how I think this story maybe starts. Cute as they are, you might think Cobra Wrangler would be a cash cow, and sometimes literal cow if the snakes are hungry enough. But it turns out pythons and anacondas are more in fashion than cobras, so I'm not necessarily making as much money at my cobra dealership as I used to. That didn't stop Stallone from agreeing to star as a character named Cobra in a movie called Cobra. So apparently the snake of my dream still has some cachet. Well, when I heard about this, that Stallone was making a movie called Cobra, I realized that this could cause a lot of customer confusion. What if the movie was really bad? No offense, but the whole cop on the edge blowing stuff up thing has sort of been played out. People see Cobra signs everywhere. They might think it's about my snake business, not some dumb movie. And if somebody says, wow, Cobra really sucked, I could be out of business. So I sued Sylvester Stallone. We sold out of court, though. No cash. But I did get a pebble he said got stuck in the tread of his shoes that he wore running up those steps in the Rocky movie to the tune of Eye of the Tiger. I put that little pebble in a little box on my desk next to a, a long Play-Doh chain that sort of looks like a snake, and I know that thing's going to be worth a lot of money someday. The pebble, not the Play-Doh. But for now, I'm still broke. Which is why, when that mysterious dude dressed all in black and a mask that covered his whole face showed up out of nowhere, like literally, he was standing in my office and the door never opened and he offered to pay big bucks for a cover that he could genetically manipulate to grow to supersize and enhance with laser eyes. I totally jumped at it. Well, why not? No judging. Seriously, I can't go to court again. The judge really hates me after that whole Stallone thing. What's to worry about? So he wants a giant snake with laser eyes. There are lots of practical non-global domination reasons for that. Could use it to open tin cans or aircraft carriers. You know, lots of practical uses. Alright, so that's a setup for our story. Snake dealer makes a deal with the mysterious but very, very friendly character. 
representing an organization called Cobra, who wants to create a giant mutant snake with laser eyes. Pretty typical story so far. But now things are going to heat up. Action is going to start occurring, kind of literally. Rising action. Listen, I love the military. I've seen Saving Private Ryan like 47 times. And every Veterans Day, I buy a mattress at one of those sales. So, when I saw the nice man in the creepy black outfit turn my mutant cobra loose on those Joes, I did what any American patriot would do. I recorded it all on my cell phone from the safety of my work vehicle. The cobra car. The laser eyes on those cobras, the soldiers, not the snakes, were kinda cool, I'm not gonna lie, but totally impractical for most rental reptiles. I had an anaconda once that could also shoot poison darts, and, well, let's just say I don't do any more birthday parties. Alright, so the action's heating up. Now we know what our customer is doing with his mutant laser-eyed cobra. And the Joes have responded. So the battle has been begun. And we're going to hit the peak of the fighting right now. The climax. The fighting was fierce. Those Joes fought hard. And they were shooting my snake. Of course, it was trying to kill them. But my invoices have a very clear disclaimer that the rental agent is not liable for any death or dismemberment my reptiles may cause in mutated form. So, so the climax of our story is basically what you get on the screen in uh, Cobra Strike. Right? Giant mutant snake trying to take out these Joes, and the Joes are firing back. Falling action. Now we're going to see the aftermath of this battle. When the dust settled, Cobra, the organization bent on world domination, not my snake, was defeated. The snake did try to shoot me with the laser though. So you know what, I'm just thinking of getting out of the reptile sales business entirely because I'm just going to start selling cheese or something. Cheese hardly ever tries to shoot you with laser eyes. Resolution or denouement. Here we're coming to the end of the story. So anyone know where I could get a gorilla that can unlock cages and drive a go-kart? I think that might be popular someday. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for a Creative Commons license to his songs Take a Chance, Reformat, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes show notes at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email poems to me about your pet cobra to ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, many, many places, including also, of course, iTunes, where you should please leave a review or risk the wrath of a vengeful cobra that is right now coiled silently in your closet. Don't go look, though. Just trust me. It's there. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page by leaving a little tip, or by buying cool Atari Bytes stuff on Zazzle.com. Thank you in advance for doing that. And if you love Charlie Brown and Snoopy as much as you love Atari games, check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. A new episode drops on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. MASH! They say suicide is painless? Will listening to this episode be painless too? Tune in next time and find out. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.